Hey, what's going on? This is Brandon. Hey, this is Dave. And this is Joshua. And this is John. And this is Toby. And this is Zelda. And you are now tuned in to PVD Horror. It was like the town's best friend an open sore. And you are now tuned in to PVD Horror. So thanks everybody for joining us. We are joined here today with the Adams family. So thank you guys for joining. First of all, I really appreciate it. And I also want to say um, we had the pleasure of checking out your amazing new film, Hellbender, and we freaking love it. So I can't wait to get into this interview um, so people can learn a little bit more about you because you guys are freaking interesting. So um, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. So yeah, thanks so much for having us. We we love you guys, and we're just excited that you invited us to be on your show. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, so I'll, I'll just kick it off with uh, the most notable thing that we noticed right away. Um, it says the Adams Family, which is a really iconic name. <laughs> and we know that there's a story behind Wonder Wheel. Uh, if you guys want to get into that, you know, that's cool, too. Um, and we we know there's Wonder Wheel Productions, but we were wondering if you were going to run with Wonder Wheel and keep that, or are you going to run with the Adams Family for now on? Now that you're hooked up with Shutter and such. A great question, really great question. I'm going to start the answer with: I asked Toby to marry me on the Wonder Wheel, and part of the reason was was because we were fucking broke. And there was no way I could afford like a ring or any of that fancy stuff. So I just figured I would get the biggest ring in New York City. And that was the Wonder Wheel. <laughs> and it's always going to be there. So I figured that would be a safe bet. And uh, so that's why I asked Toby to marry me. And uh, so she said yes. And so the Wonder Wheel holds a, a sweet place in our heart. Yeah, I guess Wonder Wheel is kind of like the business entity, you know, the production company. But as a like identity you know a filmmaking family were definitely the adams that's cool so when i first heard about you guys i was blown away by how creative you all were it's so cool to see a family making films together how did this all start <clears throat> um well in 2008 to 10 we were living in los angeles and uh John had been on a real kind of rock and roll reality TV show where he was like this stunt man, kind of jackass type, and it was really fun. and And he loved being on sets. And I was, um, I came from the acting world, but when I hit LA, it, it just really kind of tanked, and I wasn't getting work. And finally, we just decided to take the bull by the horns and make our own films, you know. And so we got an old RV. And we took off that year. Zelda was six and Lulu was 11. And we made our first film, Rumble Strips, and we were just totally hooked. Yeah. We didn't know what the fuck we were doing. And that was a good thing. Because if we had, <laughs> we probably wouldn't have done it. You know, we would have felt too pressured. In this case, ignorance was totally our bliss. Yeah. yeah. So it's pretty wild because, um, you know, looking... I try. I tried to looking like back catalog of films that you guys. You guys have a number of films. I think that we were saying it right before you guys came in. It's like six films in total, I, I believe at least now that are available. Now it's seven with Hellbender. We 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 got seven. seven. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, and it's funny because you kind of can watch the progression for all of you. Like Zelda, you know, not to embarrass you, but there was one film where you like look super young and, you know, like in just, and then I watch Hellbender and I'm like, wow, you're going to be a demon later. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so, you know, <laughs> I was just curious, like, what are, what do you guys find to be some of like the difficulties and benefits of working like within the family? It, it's interesting. We always say that the, advantages totally outweigh the disadvantages because we're working on such a small scale so it's pretty easy to just go out and do anything you know you know we can be eating breakfast and then it's like all right let's go out and shoot a scene you know it's snowing right now it's perfect so we'll go out in the backyard and shoot a scene come right back in put it into the computer check it out see if it's good and if it's not we'll go out and shoot it again and uh yeah and like we have the advantage of you know having dinner together, that's like a perfect business meeting talking about what we want our next movie to be about. Um, Yeah. What do you guys think? I think it's just one big advantage because we do enjoy hanging out together. It's a great way for us to be outside together. It's a great way for us to drive in the car together. Um, It's really fun. We're all kind of equals in the process. And, um, you know, we don't know any other way. It's not like we ever were like in the industry. So, when people say, oh, isn't it hard because of, you don't have a lighting guy or a girl or whatever? And it's like, well, we wouldn't know what that would be like in any way. So we don't really know what our disadvantages are because we just, I don't know, this is what we've always done. Yeah. 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 I think a, a lot of people are like, oh, well, it's a disadvantage that you don't like have a big budget as a family. And it's true. We don't have a big budget or anything, but... What I like about that is that it forces us to like work with what we have. And I think the result of that is really beautiful, like working with nature in its rawest form and working with flat light, which I think is the best lighting that you can use over artificial lighting. Like I, it, all the disadvantages turn into advantages. So now you guys released seven films under the Wonder World Productions. What was it that made you transition into horror? from the last two films? Um, Toby was working on a script after our fourth film, and John and I were kind of hanging around, twiddling our thumbs, like, oh, God, what do we do right now? And I remember I was, I think, like maybe 13, and I went up to him. I was like, hey, like, let's make a movie. It's winter. Um, I want to just kill a bunch of dudes. Uh, wouldn't that be like a great story about a young girl killing a bunch of dudes? And he was like, that sounds fantastic. So um, we wrote like this like uh, time piece, and it was just beautiful. And that was the first time that we ever shot in winter. And that's where we discovered our true love for shooting in winter, but also our love for horror. Uh, we got into some great horror film festivals and just learned that we love the horror crowd and the world that you can make with horror. Yeah, we really learned um, one of the greatest things about horror is that you you have artistic freedom. There's no rules. The horror crowd, the horror audience, they're up for anything. You know, they just want they just want entertainment they want art coming their way and so you're allowed to break all the rules it's a great medium to work in if you if you love having fun yeah i think like we're a kind of super happy family and so somehow it makes sense doing horror because just feeling the opposite of horror somehow makes it a more fun but b it's cool kind of cool to 
play the opposite of what you know. You know, like in the same, I always say, oh man, the comedians make the best like sad people and really nice (laughs) people make the best villains and vice versa and stuff. And so I think for us, it's kind of, it it really works that we're kind of happy in real life because then we can kind of like exercise all those whatever dark feelings we have through art. Awesome. Because we always talk about it too. Like me, Dave and Josh, we all have all different tastes in horror. You know, I can like, I'm a big slasher fan. Josh, he likes really low budget films. And so, and Dave, he's, he likes the psychological horrors. So it's now with today, you can go any way with the horror. And I just think that it's awesome. You know? So keep going. I love, I agree with you 100%. And I think that's something that we really love about the horror crew is like, you're three guys, you love three different aspects of horror and, and they all, they all are really interesting. Like, like the movie that we're working on now has more of a kind of, it's not a slasher, but it has more body horror. It's more like physically violent, like Mm -hmm. Hellbender's more emotionally violent. It does have some physical violence in it, but it's, it's more a drama about a daughter and a mother and like that dark, add that dark magic to it and it becomes pretty intense. And so it's really cool about horror that you can explore different aspects of it. I agree with you 100%. That's what's so cool about it. Don't be fooled by that horror community though. They, they, we got some elitists in there too. So I know for the most part, everyone's really cool, but you'll, you'll run into a couple that are like, be like, (laughs) but for the most part, the horror community is pretty great though. It's like, you know, just the love they and the passion that everybody has for horror movies is like, I don't know if there's another genre that really has this kind of following. Maybe sci-fi. We notice the elitism, but but the thing is about the elitism is it, it actually happens like there's slasher elitists, like mm-hmm. and there's psychological elitists. Each little each little group subgroup yeah. has their elitist crew. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's people who watch Hellbender and like that sucked. Like mm-hmm. I that movie he was not scary at all. And you know what? So be it. That's cool. You know what I mean? Like right. <laughs> what are you gonna do? And that's the thing. We talk about everything being positive in the community um, and how everyone in horror supports each other. How did it feel having a horror icon, Robert England, tell the world to check out one of your films? We didn't sleep for days. <laughs> it was. Go ahead, Z. Yeah, it was just incredible. Like, we read it and it almost didn't feel real. Like, we didn't really know how to act. And then a day later, it started sinking in and we were like, whoa, wait a second, that just happened. Yeah. We've had great support from really cool people. Like, Patton Oswalt also has pumped us on a couple occasions. And it's really like, wow, what great humans. And, and that is ultimately what's what we've really enjoyed about the horror community is they are very inclusive and open for stuff and supportive. And once you get in our good graces, we'll support everything you do though. That's, that's another thing. Like, you know, you see it all the time with like the celebrities that go to the conventions, like any, any film they make, we'll go out and watch because, you know, we feel like that connection with them and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I feel like they're they're just very supportive um, and and want to see what you do next. And then I think they also uh, 
you know, you have a mixture of the people who are like, well, I want to see what you can do with a big budget. But then you also have the people who are like, oh, I just want you to stay just the way you are making <laughs> film for 500 bucks. Yeah. You know, but either way that they're, they're going to support you and let you kind of, I think, accept that you need to grow or evolve or try other things, which is, is a safe environment to be an artist. Sure. Now, because uh, Dave had, he had, he had let us know before uh, we kind of like reached out, like you guys went room org magazine. So Dave, if you want to touch on that, like how you brought like all the, Oh yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's one of my favorite um, horror publications. I've been following that forever. I saw you guys on the cover and I was like, this looks so freaking interesting. And then I was just telling them today, I picked up Horrorhound yesterday and you guys are in Horrorhound. I mean, you guys are just like making waves and everything. So, I mean, that's what, what has this experience been like for you guys to just be featured and talked about so much. Horrorhound is the first people that embraced us. We, like Zelda said, we made a 60 minute movie. There was more like a super dark poem and Horrorhound, we got into the Horrorhound Film Festival and they were just so cool. And their publication was cool to us. And um, yeah, they're, they're, all those organizations are, are really terrific. You know, that's the difference between, we had made four dramas before we made our first horror movie. And it's very hard to get any traction in that world because if you don't have a budget, you don't have a famous director, you don't have a famous star, it's very hard to get eyes on your films. Like, it, talk about elitist. That, is, that world is far more elitist than the horror world. And, and that includes the publications, you know, like Horror Hound, Fangoria, Rue Morgue. I mean, come on. It, 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 our minds were blown, too, when somebody sent us, hey, you're on the cover of Rue Morgue. It, it was yeah. like, what is happening here? You know? <laughs> yeah. It, so it doesn't hurt that the film was actually good. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. That's, yeah. That's I'm nice. Of the five dollar horror movies, and I've seen more than I any man probably should. And some are good, and some are not. So uh, yours was was really good. Uh, I compliment you, and that's why you're getting so much attention. So congratulations, you know. Well, thank, thank you so much. But it's it's so funny because it's like me and Dave are usually on social media a lot. Josh usually unplugs himself. He doesn't really pay attention. And so we kind of didn't fill him in about everything about the film. And after he watched it, he goes, oh, it was really good. I said, Josh, did you know that they're actually a family? He's like, what? <laughs> it's like, yeah, <laughs> the mom, dad and the daughters. And so he was just like, no way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, can I ask you guys a question? Yeah. Do you, do you guys like, like frequent any of the of the horror film festivals? Are you into any of those? So, uh, um, we Brandon and I have gone up to uh, Salem uh, for a number of years because mm-hmm. uh, they they have a small uh, film festival there. You know, we used to have the Providence Horror Film Festival, and they did away with that uh, a number of years ago, and now it's kind of been turned into like a hybrid of sci-fi and horror. Uh, called what is it vortex brandon film festival yeah yep um so those are like our local ones so other than that i haven't been really venturing out of here like conventions is a different thing like we'll sometimes travel for those but for the film festivals i haven't been to too many others there there was a, a couple of underground ones in rhode island for a little while too where people that just like to make films were making them and they're just getting together and doing it once a month uh 
but then COVID happened and all that went under. So, yeah. Cause we love, love, love the, the, the festivals and that's where we get to meet a lot of cool people and make a lot of great connections and see a lot of great films. I mean, we love the whole spectrum, the tiny ones that only the locals know about to the bigger ones. We've had the, you know, luck to be invited to. We just, that's kind of almost like the reason we make films so we can go to these festivals. And guys, the crowds of those places are super informed. So you learn a ton. It's like going to a master class. Like, you know, we're making movies, but the audience knows so much fucking more than we do. And like, and they'll reference all this shit and like, and we'll have to go home. We'll have like a hundred movies that we need to watch because it's all been referenced. And they're like, oh, you did this and that. And it's really cool. It's like every festival, like she said, whether there's five people or 500, it is a master class because uh, the crowds are so informed about basically horror film and and even just film did i did i see something about fantasia uh film festival and somebody getting an award there sweet z did someone get an award yeah oh yeah yeah it was i was i was in shock honestly it it was crazy that a festival like that acknowledged that um didn't we also get the Music is. Oh, she's trying to pass off the show. Well. Yeah, so Allow me to brag <laughs> no. about my two. Yeah, I was going to say, can you tell us the award that Zelda got? All right, so first, we were fortunate enough to be accepted as a, a competition. We'd never been in a comp in the international competition, so we got into Fantasia's Cheval Noir competition, um, which is fun because Cheval Noir. We've always called Zelda our black horse, <laughs> our dark, our dark horse, um, and. Uh, and so she, we, uh, we got to do that, be in the competition. And then she won best acting. And then John won best editing. No, I, I think best music sound, or best something music? like best soundtrack. But yeah, best soundtrack. It was a huge compliment. It was like, and Fantasia changed our lives because with The Deeper You Dig, I don't know if you've seen The Deeper You Dig, but that was the first like real horror movie that we made. And we got into there and they pumped us like what's beautiful about a, something like Fantasia is they pump the big Hollywood films, but they, they pump us the exact same way. It's not kind of like we're filler. We were like invited to the press rooms. We They talked to us. They worked with us. They treated us really well. And it changed our lives dramatically. Don't you think, Z? Definitely, definitely. Like it's really cool that the horror community and these festivals acknowledge us because when we were making dramas before, it was incredibly hard to get like – any sort of acknowledgement, like if you didn't have Brad Pitt in it. But like you can be a small family making horror movies and people will, you know, want to go out and watch your movies, which is awesome. So I don't I'm going to I'm going to be completely honest. I started to watch Deeper You Dig last night and I didn't finish it. But what I saw of it was uh, intense. And I was and I I don't want to give anything away because I think that once people watch Hellbender, they are going to want to go back and watch your previous films. So I don't want to like spoil anything for anyone, but I do encourage people to watch it and also think about what it must've been like to be a dad in the role you had and some in the, in the, the first like 20 minutes or so, like what I had to witness you do. I, I was thinking about you as a person acting and that must've been difficult to do. Um, that, I'm, I'm saying something that makes no sense if you don't watch the movie. So just go watch the movie. <laughs> yeah. Zella, yeah. Zella, what do you think about that? I, you know what? I, Toby, 
uh, in the editing process, it, she was having a hard time watching uh, the scenes with me and John in it <laughs> um, from a mother's standpoint. But me personally, the daughter um, who's kind of going through it in the movie, uh, it was fun shooting it. All the violent things were fun to shoot. Um, but I mean, The Deeper You Dig is a pretty dark movie. And so we kind of wanted to do something more fun with our next one, Hellbender. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That was um, something that we felt like that we love the deeper you dig. And, and it's, it's interesting because dark stuff makes us laugh. Like when Zelda and I were filming the tub scene, I mean, I think most of the time we had to cut out a lot of giggles because it's funny. Like it's, it is funny when you're making it, it's dark and violent, but it's, there's this strange tiny thread of a line between funny and horrible. And when you're making it, it's funny. But um, we did feel that the deeper you dig, we really, after the deeper you dig, we really wanted our next film to still be kind of horrible, still have that, that kind of violence and stuff like that. But we did want it to be more of a fun ride. So, you know, it was a roller coaster that went up and down and had a couple loop-de-loops instead of just a, just once up and then straight to hell, you know, which was the deeper you dig. So now what are some of your favorite horror movies and can you share some of your first experiences with horror? Absolutely. Uh, Toby showed me Carrie at a pretty young age. <laughs> and I, you know what? I'm really happy that was my first horror movie. Uh, I think there's a lot of actually inspiration in it in Hellbender. But uh, some of my other favorite horror movies are uh, The Descent. We've been talking about that one nonstop recently because we all just rewatched it. And mm -hmm. it's just incredible. So claustrophobic. And the dynamics and relationships in that movie are incredible. The effects, the jump scares everything some pick yeah for me i got the shit scared out of me at 12 years old my soccer coach took me to see phantasm and it pretty much just ruined my life nice. and so i definitely had to show my kid you know a horror movie when when she was young too so i could try to ruin her life <laughs> but phantasm uh, yeah ruined my life but in terms of a masterpiece i think that the thing is the greatest horror movie ever made uh, for me, I, I think the first movie that really scared the hell out of me was Halloween. And, um, what year did that come out? 78, 79? 78, that's right. So I would have been like nine or 10 years old. And that one scared the shit out. I, I, for a while, I couldn't sleep with the light out for sure, you know? And then, um, but I love, my favorites are Let the Right One In. Yeah. Um, I love The Witch. Uh, you know, and I like Basket Case too. Classic. You guys just picked the most amazing list of movies ever, yeah. and it's so diverse. <laughs> How about you guys? What are your favorites? Cycle uh, Sisters. All right. Oh wait, 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 who said what? Psycho Sisters. Oh, oh. I'm writing that one. Add that to the list. <laughs> tell, what, tell them what year, Josh, because if they get the wrong one, they're not going to. Yeah, this one is by Wave Productions. It was like 96 or 94. It was, it was 94, back. and IMDb doesn't 94. recognize it, so that tells you something. Is else. it a slasher, or what is it? It's like a... It's really weird. It's like a rape revenge. Dumpster fire? It's also a slasher. Yeah, it is. Dumpster fire. Come on, Dave. <laughs> um, 
it's a, it's about a group of sisters and they get attacked and they go like crazy and get revenge and oh a revenge is good <laughs> revenge is I good love the title it's one of those five dollar budgets but um it, it revolutionized like it was a mail order from the back of the horror catalogs back in the early 90s and it like revolutionized uh vhs for the time everybody started doing mail orders after that and oh cool yeah wave productions like the first and original mail order horror so Brandon, what's really- your, that's great what's your favorite slasher then brandon you were saying you love slashers yeah so i'm a big uh friday the 13th fan so all right that's cool yeah yeah and i would go with uh nightmare on elm street 3 is probably my favorite i know it's you know not the most artistic one and you know but i i just that one was the one that kind of like really got me into the genre and kind of hooked me in i think and Freddie oh, just cool. in general with the psych with like the you know he's in he's in your dreams he's not in in real 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 life so i just i love that concept yeah i do too we love that stuff yeah, yeah. And, we, and we love like all the sequels that you know they they decide to do something different you know like say like people always talk junk to me about liking friday the 13th jason takes manhattan and <laughs> And the new beginning, because <laughs> the new beginning, it's not Jason, but the story behind everything, it puts it together. You know, it's really cool. And yeah. it's, you know, people are like, oh, well, Jason wasn't even in New York. He was on the boat for most of the time. Like, but he's out of the element. You know, he's not on the camp, right. trying different things. So just notice when you guys find your niche and you do something different, people are not going to like when you do something different. They like <laughs> they stuck to the same thing. But they will 20 years later. Someone will be like, hey, that was a good film. And then we'll have their, you'll have your backs. We'll be like, we told you this the whole time. It's so interesting hearing about movies that like totally flopped when they first came out. But then 20 years later, they're like loved. Like, I think that happened with Jennifer's Body, right? Didn't they hate it at first? And now it's like a cult favorite. Yep. Yep. Well, that happened with John Carpenter's The Thing, too. I mean, it came Mm -hmm. out and. And I think uh, Aliens had happened or something had kind of happened before. So people were like, yeah, it's not so great. And I've heard him say that if he wasn't hit so hard for that, he feels like his career, he would have had a more happy career. I don't see what's wrong with his career. It was great. But um, he has mentioned the fact that it really stung that the thing was kind of like, you know, not accepted when it came out. You know, uh, just because we just Valentine's Day was, you know, just yesterday, another film that comes to mind is the 2001 film Valentine, which was a slasher. But when it came out, it got a lot of flack because it was so similar to like the Scream um, kind of like setup, and didn't obviously wasn't, you know, as equal to Scream, you know, in quality. But it was it was still an enjoyable film. And if it came out at any other time away from Scream, I think people would have like really appreciated it. But now you're seeing this huge wave of everyone kind of saying like, oh, Valentine was actually a really good film and it's getting like the second life again. So right, that's cool. Yeah, it's interesting how that can happen, I guess. It's cool seeing all the eras of film. Like, I feel like there's a lot of like uh, emphasis on folk horror right now. I feel like that's kind of on the ups. That's at least what people are saying. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I've been reading that, but I mean, it's... I, I'm sure there's some kind of like uh, societal uh, issue reason why like we kind of, you know, tend to gravitate to certain types of movies at different times. Right. It's like, so I'm sure in a few years they'll be talking about this period of time and why we were into folk horror at this time or whatever. 
Right. Maybe it's because we were so isolated for a period of time and then we want to connect back to stories about our past and Yeah. Maybe a bunch of new pandemic movies are gonna come. If you've seen the sad have any of you seen the sadness yet? Not yet. It looks oh my it looks pretty cool. Keep a lookout. That movie is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So we like she I'm glad she mentions the sadness because um so our next movie we're, we're, we talked about folk car. Folk car seems to be the, the big thing right now, but we've been really interested in the body horror movies. And when we say that, it's not like the, not like the fly body horror, but like real body horror, like sadness. When you see the sadness, you're going to be like, good God, you know, I mean, it's freaking violent in a very physical way. Yeah. <laughs> like, I won't even go there. And then we also saw another movie, a Telluride horror show uh, called, um, The Golden Glove. Have you guys seen the Golden Glove? No, oh, not yet. Yeah, no, I'm not going to recommend it because if you watch it, you're going to be like, "That guy's sick." Like, it's a uh, sick, it's a sick movie, and it's dirty, and we loved it. And you know, be- and so like, there's aspects of it that we're picking up on, and it's that body horror. All right, kisses. Oh, <laughs> kisses are good. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> so, yeah. So. Um, you know, I, I love anything. I like to challenge myself, so I'm up for any challenge as far as a movie that's going to gross me out or make me feel terrible. Uh, so I actually look forward to that. Yeah, do the Golden Glove. You want to you wanna be like – and remember, I, I kind of recommended it and didn't recommend it at the yeah, same time. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I hear you. <laughs> You're going to walk out feeling like a grease ball, like, oh, God, why did I watch that? And you're going to yeah. smell like cigarettes and schnapps. <laughs> did you guys see Titan? Yes, I did, and that was crazy. I thought it, I thought it was pretty cool, crazy too. Yeah, yeah. but I liked it a lot. Tell oh, me yeah. your thoughts. What'd you think? Uh, I thought it was just different because um, did you see the other film that um, the director also created? Yeah, Absolutely. so I was telling Dave yeah. and Josh about it. They need to take um, check out this one because it's just. Your head. I'm, I still can't process the whole movie yet. Like I think I have to watch it again, and it's still one of the craziest movies I've probably seen of the year. That's really so. cool. We we actually took some inspiration from their other movie Raw, yeah. um, in one of the scenes in Hellbender with the finger. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. you remember. Yeah. 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 I'm with um, you though on Titan. By the end of it, I was kind of like. Okay, that made me really uncomfortable. I never want to scratch yeah. my belly again. And <laughs> and it's like and I don't know what I just saw, but yeah. I, I I damn well know that I've never seen it before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Dave Josh. Yeah, I know. I, I, oh my, <laughs> I should have watched this a couple of days ago when you told me about it. Damn. Yeah. Um so I wanted to ask you guys. So I know I read that you guys are from the Catskills region of New York. Um, and I'm pretty familiar with the Catskills actually. And it's been the town that you guys are from uh, as well. Uh, just number of road trips, doing some photography and stuff. Um, and just cause you guys have like these amazing, like rural landscapes over there and, you know, the mountains and everything. And there's this amazing like juxtaposition of like little quaint towns. And then like a lot of like abandonment and decay and stuff like that, which is kind of where more of my photography goes. Uh, So I was kind of curious just thinking about that and then thinking about Hellbender and like how where you guys are from has influenced the films you make. Great observation. Um, 
we this is yeah this is where we're from it's a very hard place it's got hard people it's got hard land it's always been hard um the people who first settled here it's just rocky soil so all the farms kind of fail it's just a hard place but it's super beautiful and the communities around here accept us uh like that we're we're weirdos but we're their weirdos and it we can kind of run at free will around here and um like in the deeper you dig we need cops we get the local cops uh we need a deli we we go to the deli and hey will you shoot yeah i'll shoot what time you know what i mean it's like there's a very like people know what we do here and they think it's kind of weird, but they also think it's kind of cool. So yeah. it all really works out for us. And the nature around here is stunning in a brutal way. So, and it, especially in the winter, the trees get super dark and it's it's got a contrast that's, um, I don't know, it's like really exceptional. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly like us in Rhode Island. <laughs> <laughs> You will, I mean, we're pretty close, right? I mean, I'm, I'm not sure yeah. where you are in Rhode Island because also where? Rhode Island has the most beautiful cities in the world. Like some of them are just stunning, like over by the coast and Providence. Yeah, is, yeah. Awesome. We're, we're only about three hours away, um, two and a half hours, depending on what part of the Catskills. So it's not yeah, too okay. far. Yep. So and you we're guys all those weird Sorry. guys that everybody knows and they're like, hey, we don't like what you do, but we appreciate you. <laughs> we get that a lot. <laughs> Well, I do. The other two guys, not so much. Uh, Are you in Providence? Yes. Yeah, Zelda yeah. and I took a trip because she's applied to RISD. She's oh, okay. She's, oh, awesome. She's applied to them this year for college, and we had a great trip there. Oh my god, I love, I loved that city. Yeah, that area is great, and Providence is amazing because it's small, and you can pretty much walk to everything if you like, if you like doing that. Um, but and we also like we complain about traffic if you have your car here. Um, but our traffic is nothing compared to other cities. If you go there, I mean, we, we complain, but we just like to complain in general. So that's just, us. <laughs> and that's if what, you, uh, PBD stands for. It's Providence. Cause it's like the airport code. So flying into PVD, yeah. <laughs> which isn't actually in Providence, our airport. It's, it's actually yeah. in an outside town, but we call it Providence <laughs> anyway. <laughs> But it's we, so we claim everything. We claim sports teams that aren't even from Rhode Island. So like we're <laughs> diehard like Boston fans, and we're not even from Boston. So <laughs> I guess that's just our nature. If you if you guys do come down, we'll uh, just hit any one of us up, and we'll give you the tour. That oh, would be great. Hey, do you guys know the guys from um, Drop? Drop dead. Drop dead. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we're good. We're friends with them. Yes. Oh, well, tell them I say hi because I've been in touch with one of the guys there from there. And um, they're so sweet. And I thought that film was great. They're they're the best. We do uh, movie nights at a local brewery. We've been doing them for a few years now. Usually try to tie in some kind of like charity thing. And they started coming to like our earliest one three years ago, actually. And they just showed up at every single one we did. And we all became like, you know, our horror community just became like a family. And it's it's amazing. And then the, the whole time they were like filming their movie. And then they finally made it. And we were like, this is, and it's getting big. Yeah, they're going to be on Shutter uh, next so month. Cool. So, yeah. It's I should be in the film. Oh, You're yeah, in it? Extra. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Yeah, you know, if you look real closely, I'm way in the back on a bar scene, uh, <laughs> holding some stranger's hands. And then I had to explain to my wife, I wasn't really holding this guy's hand. It just That's awesome. But, and my wife was like, how come you didn't like just leave? And, uh, <laughs> that hurts. That hurts. <laughs> we'll look for it. It sounds great. Yeah. So now, is there anything you guys can't do? You also have a band by the name of Hellbender. You have a few songs that are currently streaming. Do you guys have any plans on releasing a full project in the future? Yeah. We got a soundtrack for Hellbender coming out um, this spring, I think. Okay. And we're pretty happy. And there's 20 songs, so half of them aren't even in the movie, and they're really, really some of my favorite songs awesome. so we're pretty jazzed about that but this it's gonna be yeah we're working with this group called ship to shore and they're gonna be releasing it on vinyl which is oh, nice. insane we're so excited and you know the songs from hellbin are gonna be in it but there were a lot a lot of songs that didn't make it in because we couldn't have you know every single song in it and <laughs> like every five minutes you break <laughs> the entire thing is just a song yeah <laughs> So I'm excited for people to hear that. Definitely. I, I was so thrown off at the beginning when it went to like the bit, like your first music sequence. Cause I was like, Oh, this, uh, th this is interesting. Like this is different. But then I was like, this is so freaking good. Like this, your music is awesome. Oh, I, was, so cool. I don't know why I was like so thrown off by that, but I was like, cause I don't, I guess I haven't seen that in a movie where like the people <laughs> making the film actually make good music too. And they yeah. show off both things at once. I just, it was awesome. Well, oh, that's cool. We, I mean, we really wanted to throw everybody like we thought it would be funny to go from hanging this witch, like a whole group of women, like hanging a witch that just exploded into fire. <laughs> like it's all it's like, kind of like, what the hell is going on here? You know, and there's no explanation. It just starts out with this and then right into a band in modern times in makeup. We just thought like yeah. the shock value would be like at that point. Like the people who are going to stay, they're going to enjoy the movie. And the people who leave, they, they should leave then because they're not going to like the rest of it. So it was kind of like it was a good way to be like, all right, we're just going to tell you right up front kind of what this is going to be like. If if you didn't like this first three minutes, you should probably yeah, that's a great point. stop watching. It was interesting, like even from a the filmmaker's point of view, when I was watching it, like the juxtaposition, the juxtaposition between like the intro and then the band scene, I was like, I'm extremely uncomfortable with this. And then I was like, wait, it's good that I'm uncomfortable with this. Yeah. I want the audience to be uncomfortable too. Yep, that's awesome. Uh, I wasn't uncomfortable. I thought it was really awesome. And I really right. like music. Uh, I'm an old school metalhead, so I was like, "Oh, this is even better." <laughs> I just thought it went up a notch. Uh, okay. So, who, who wrote all the music? Well, John is sort of the jack of all trades who who writes her music. But Zelda's also a drummer, and she contributes a lot to the music as well. Lulu and I uh, kind of just show up and fill in the dots and cross the T's where they need it as backgrounds. But these guys are really. But John's John's amazing. He pumps out like twenty songs a day, and it's, he's like, "Hey, check out like this song, you know, I this riff I just made." And it's like, well, Jesus Christ, what? And then you know, we just sing on it, and then a, a song is born. It's it's really fun. 
So you say you're an old school metalhead. I'm an old school hardcore punk. And like the ethic of old school hardcore hardcore uh, punk, like bands like Black Flag and Bad Brains and all those bands, you know, those guys just cranked them out. You know, it's kind of like you get up, you crank out a song. They have like if you think about early Black Flag, all those songs are 30 seconds to a minute and a half. And that's it. And Zelda and I started talking about that, too. We were like, you know what? We should have like an under two minute rule where we are not allowed to write a song that's over two minutes. We have to, it's gotta be two minutes or less. And that was really kind of helpful because it really cut all the bullshit off of anything we were doing. And suddenly we started cranking out a lot of tunes together. That's a lot really of uh, record labels have been doing that. Like a lot of big artists, you know, some songs like three minutes and it's like, Oh man, I want more of that song. But then it's just like, Oh, you have a transition that'll go into like a whole different song, you know? So it's it's pretty cool what 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 they're able to do, and then now they're keeping it like like you said, Zelda. You wanted more songs on the album, but usually some albums are just like ten songs on the record now, you know. So, right. But yeah. now you can put out more music. You work on more, and then it can you keep cranking them out. And but, you know, with things like I mean, modern like culture really is like i don't think their attention span is getting shorter but if you think of things like tiktok and youtube and and you know it's like these things these media all these media clips like instagram films or whatever they're all very short so short compact little tunes are actually kind of smart these days because that's what people seem to kind of have their eyes and ears on fostering adhd so i mean (laughs) which i have so it's kind of fine with me it's like my attention span is fucking short Uh, join the club on that one (laughs) i think i think we're all on that train i know right well we'll talk about it like if something doesn't catch us um you know i'll watch a movie and then like end it and be like i don't think i actually paid attention to one second of that you know so something has to catch you in order to to keep you locked in we have oh go ahead Z. We we have like a rule that something has to happen every 7 to 10 minutes or else like it's we're not doing something right. Yeah, that's a good rule. Yeah. And also we have a rule that it's got to be under 120 like uh, whatever it is uh, like uh is it- an hour and 20 minutes. It's like yeah. you know it's like no matter what like we've had to cut things out cuz it's like over 120 it's like you know come on i don't want to watch something over 120 it's like you know it's like i know i don't know i I don't know if it's like old age but like i look at runtime of movies now and that's how i judge what i'm gonna watch (laughs) we do too i'm like how long is it it's like you know it's an hour and 20 minutes okay i'll watch it it's two hours and forget about it (laughs) we my wife and i have a phone code and that's how we see how good something is how long are you watching something before you take the phone out ah that's uh, great great. if you take it out more than once uh it was okay if you take it out like more than five times it was a terrible movie (laughs) toby knows when i'm done with a movie like we were I, i won't say what it is but we were watching one two nights ago and i was just like in five minutes i was like Boom! Light on, <laughs> shining it at Toby. The old and the phone didn't go away because I was like, "Please turn this movie off." Let's. <laughs> we still got a couple hours before I'm gonna fall asleep. Yep. So we started this playlist, which features some of our guests' favorite songs. Could each of you share a song that made an impact on your life, so we can add to the list? Ooh! Oh, wow! 
Um, I know mine. Mine is Pedestrian at Best by Courtney Barnett. Uh, that movie got us through Hellbender. Um, we, like... Yeah, we were just listening to that song on repeat while we were making this movie. Uh, so, yeah. I'm going to go with Pay to Come by Bad Brains. That changed my life. I loved, uh, I mean, I'll always love Toxicity by System of a Down. Okay. Look at picks. Yeah. I, Brandon, I, I don't know if you were just about to say this, but like, again, like our guests have such eclectic tastes from each other. And even just with the three of you, the tastes are so uh, varied. So I, I just, I think this is like one of the questions we just started asking um, within our last, like, what, six interviews, Brandon? Yeah, we and, started it off with uh, Tony Todd. So he started off the whole interview with a uh, little playlist. He has like a jazz type sound. And yeah. so it's just been kind of going everywhere. So it's just all over the place right now. So it's really cool. So for our listeners, you can find it on our playlist on on the YouTube page and also on our Spotify account. So I'll add these tracks in. So it's it's looking pretty, sounding pretty good. Yeah. Um, My my son went on and picked out my songs right away, guys. I I forgot to tell you that. He was like, "You got two songs, Dad." I was like, "Oh, absolutely." Brandon's fiance went on and picked out my songs right away. So I don't know what that says about me. (laughs) Cure, brand new, like, and then uh. So some random stuff, but um, anyways, so <laughs> Hellbender, um, you know, it's a, it's a wild ride. So I, I was curious if you guys wanted to just kind of tell us where some of the initial ideas for the film came up. All right. Uh, well, I'll tell you um, well, two things. One, we we had been making we had the band Hellbender, but with the E's or sixes um, before the movie. And we started to exploring. Um, you know, we started making some music videos and we were making one for Black Sky and it just making it just immediate was immediately just like really witchy. And we were like, oh, we got to explore this more and just make one big movie basically about, you know, jumping off from it. And then I also found out that my mom, who was in The Deeper You Dig, um, she plays the older woman that I, my character bilks like of money in The Deeper You Dig. She died like right before The Deeper You Dig came out. And she um and she told me, she was like, I have something really serious I have to tell you. And I'm like, what can you tell me that can be more serious than the fact that you're, you're about to leave this earth? And she's like, your dad was not your biological dad. And so I learned that um, my biological dad, who was wonderful, wonderful man, and is my dad, but that I had been donor conceived. So we were like, well, who's my dad? You know, who is my dad? And what if he's some weirdo, wacko, axe murderer, you know? And we just started having fun thinking about who my dad was. He ends up being just like a nice Jewish doctor, but um, that wasn't very cinematic. So we were like, what if he's the devil? And then we thought for a while we were going to make this movie called The Devil's Daughter. And then we were like, nah. (coughs) The devil is way bigger than our budget will ever be. And we were like, we are not going to tackle the devil and hell with like $500. So how about we just slice a little slice off the devil's toenail and make it a movie about that. And that's what Hellbender is. The Hellbender, the Devil's Toenail. That's what we was like. You guys, what do you think is better? A better title, The Devil's Toenail or Hellbender? <laughs> oh, I really feel like you guys might have missed the mark on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. 
<laughs> Dude, that's awesome. That's uh, that's some uh, shocking news. Uh, so, uh, just a little something here. I I so I met my biological father when I was like 21, and I just I had suspicions for a long time, and my family confirmed it. He is not my actual biological father. I just found out. So, wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, like, like you had a double kind. You had a double. So wait a minute. At 21, you thought you were seeing your biological father. Yeah. Yeah. And I then, and then later him. you find out that the guy that you thought that that's, that's not even him. Yeah. Wow. Yep. So heavy duty. What? Right. You know, my fi- family dynamic is a lot different than most. So I can't even, I won't even, me and my mom are not going to have a conversation about it ever. So. Uh, but you know, like that's a bombshell. So I can't imagine, I know what I was going through. I can't imagine what you were going through. Well, yeah, I was kind of curious about that too. And not to get like, you know, overly personal about it, but, um, you know, cause I, my father had an experience like that too. I didn't find out till a little bit later in life. Like we just, he never knew, he never knew his, um, who his parents were. He was adopted when he was an infant. And I never knew that it really bothered him until later in life when I actually like, you know, uh, found, uh, some, I don't even know how I found it, to be honest with you. It was on the internet. He was kind of searching for his parents and, um, he didn't find them till he was in his, you know, um, late sixties or early seventies. He finally found out who his mother was. And, um, it was, I think a relief for him to figure it out, but it also, uh, didn't really fix anything because it wasn't, you know, it didn't, the news he got wasn't actually great, um, for a lot of different reasons. And, I just was thinking, like, for me, I didn't know that side of the family either. So it was kind of like an interesting, like, it's almost mysterious, I guess, when you when you find that out, like, what what, what was on that side? And I was wondering if, like, writing this story was kind of like catharsis for you in a, in a way as well. Yeah, I mean, it definitely was good kindling, you know, to build this story about, um, you know, genetics and, and, and can you hide from your genetics and and you know in case of the our story in hellbender the mother really tries to starve her her nature her genetics you know her dna when the daughter when she realizes what her legacy is she's like fuck that i want to celebrate being a hellbender even if that means i'm like super powerful you know a step above humans in the food chain and the mother wants to protect her um so yeah it definitely helped inform our writing and we wanted the audience to be able to question who's right like who's sympathetic some would say the do- you know the daughter is some would say the mother is and you can see why she would want to protect her daughter because being a hellbender is pretty lonesome brutal um you know powerful legacy to uphold also i mean the thing about the hellbender and toby's story that just go hand in hand are the exact same as toby was told protective lies her whole life. And so once those protective lies are exposed, that's so heavy. It was interesting being her lover and watching her have to deal. Now, Toby's a very stable, mellow person, so it's she can handle something like that. But all those protective lies still unravel every conversation she had with her, the dad that raised her. And then she has to ask herself all those questions about Oh, I, what would it be like if I met my 
my blood father. It's, it's like it's super heavy duty and it's very complex. And that's what that comes across in Hellbender, hopefully, is that the, the mother in Hellbender is telling her daughter very protective lies, thinking that she's protecting her daughter. In essence, is she protecting the daughter from for herself? Or is she protecting the daughter for the daughter's protection? Or is she protecting the world from the daughter? And and that's the exact same quandary that Toby's parents had raising her. It's like, who are we protecting here? Are we protecting the dad because he couldn't have a kid, so he had to be donor conceived, but we don't want anyone to know that? Are we protecting the mom because now she's has a child in her from another man? It's so complex. <clears throat> and it was amazing to watch Toby write this script about that. So, boy, catharsis is too small of a word for it. <laughs> well, just a quick note, you know, so I actually discovered who my biological father was and um and and I'm and I and eight siblings. I'm the oldest of eight half siblings. <clears throat> and and they're awesome. Yeah. They're so great. Um but you know, I'm only like 2 months older than the next one. And okay. it's funny of all of them of all eight of us, I'm essentially the only one whose mother even told her. Um, and this was on her deathbed that my mom told me. So you can see how the the urge to protect not only the child, but probably the father, you know, the non-biological father um, who raises, who raised us, you know, that urge is pretty strong. That's crazy. <laughs> That's really it ends crazy. up being a beautiful story. I mean, it's kind of beautiful. For me, it ended up oh. being beautiful because I have this family. But it is yeah. crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think it's crazy that even just we're having this conversation and, you know, even like a few of us can even like have a relation to the story too in, in some kind of capacity. So other yeah. people can kind of see this and kind of understand that and make their own like, you know, judgments off of it as they as they leave the film. So it's cool. Yeah. And Zelda, we've got to tell you something. <laughs> Hellbender, part two. <laughs> right, Hellbender. Let's just go with Hellbender, part two on that. Well, we just completely did away with the dads in Hellbender, actually. Uh, right. Yeah. This is too heavy. This is too heavy. Yeah, I, I, as a dad, I realized that my role in the family is pretty much non-existent. Everything is about the mother anyway. You know? like well, That's smart. Yeah, I taught my son to read. I, he went to a, a special school, so I drove him to and from for five years. He got up and graduated the fifth grade, like helped him every day with his homework. And he's like, I love you, mom. And I'm like, oh, OK. <laughs> what about me? <laughs> like, see where I rank? <laughs> so <laughs> it's the way it goes, right? Um, but speaking of Hellbender, uh, we'll go back to the, the original reason you're here here um there was it, it was a cool mythology that you had just kind of made and you didn't actually like i've never heard of a hellbender i there's no like mythology that i know that this was worked off of and i was really curious as to how you guys came up with the whole mythology and are you going to go even farther with it at some point 
Awesome. I can give the quick answer, and Toby is the one who really researched it. But we love nature. We're big campers. We're big hikers. We love being out in nature. And when you're out in nature, you know that there's a ton of hidden magic out there, but you just don't know how to ride it. You look at uh, the algae in the water, and it's this color that you can't describe. You look at mushrooms, and they're red with white dots, and like you, you know that there's hidden magic in there. And so we wanted to have this being that had all the, the knowledge of hidden magic built in their DNA. And that's why the kid, when the kid can, when the, the book looks for that child, because the, that knowledge is like the knowledge built in your DNA coming to fruition. And so that's why, like, if you notice in Hellbender, like she hears the book calling to her and that's basically just her DNA calling to her. But we needed something visual to show the audience that like her DNA was awakening and there's no stopping it. Toby did a lot of research, though, on on mythological, historical people and magic. Yeah, but more kind of just to get us in the mood, because it was really important for us not to follow many rules like like we really wanted to create something like you say joshua it kind, of, it kind of just kind of original like here we have this hellbender let's create let's decide what that is about and so we you know izzy's character says to the ranger in the movie she's like oh we're like a cross between a witch a demon and an apex predator but that's just she's just throwing him a bone and putting it in some very simple human terms for the for the poor human guy, you know, to understand. But she knows, oh, we are like witch. That's like, I, 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 if I can eat witches for breakfast, you know? Um, so we really, um, we wanted to create something really powerful, unapologetic and original, but we did have a lot of fun coming up with like the spells and everything. We kind of wanted to think through a child's lens, you know, like, like children who kind of play in the mud or, or even just scribble on things. And in a way, that's a child's magic. That's a child's creativity. And a spell is a kind of creativity too, as you're using your intention to put something out into the world. So we tried to think as like a third grader um, when coming up with these spells and it was super fun. And one of the things that was important to us was finding out well, where is their source of power? Like where's their power line? And originally, we we loved that there was some famous character, mythological character from Egypt or something that ate babies for power. Olamia, the serpent, the Libyan serpent goddess. And so we were like, "Ooh, that's good. What could be?" But then we were like, "Well, what could be worse than eating babies? Let's try to get worse than that." And one of the kids was like, "Puppies." <laughs> and we were like, "Oh yeah, eating puppies. We should eat puppies." But then it was like, "Okay, stop, stop. We need to figure out." And then we decided to that it would be funny because witches are killed because of people's fear of womanly knowledge or womanly power. And so we just thought, oh, well, let's just turn that on its head and that these people will feed on that fear that had killed them throughout history. And that's where they get their power because, in fact, witches do get their power from fear. So we had fun with that. Um, I want to ask you, so there's these um, kind of like cut, cut clips that you guys show and, you know, there's a lot of like imagery that's happening in these. And I, I read that you guys were on a road trip and you would just get out because like the sky was cool or there was like this cool landscape and that you guys were in the Pacific Northwest during that time. Right. What what areas were you in and like what specifically were you looking for? I know I just said a couple other things, but like what what was it in mind that you were like, oh, this is it? 
I'll answer part of it. And then Zelda, you, you take it away. We knew that we were going to have visions. Like in the, we knew that the, a lot of the story would be driven by visions. So we bought, we went to Walmart and bought a bunch of black, uh, material just so that we knew that like the mythological hellbenders, whenever they were kind of reaching back into their history, they would wear these like black materials. So that it was very just like flowing in the wind. So whenever there was a storm or a, a desert or some kind of natural awesomeness, like we were near Yellowstone and we passed some uh, bubbling tar pits or whatever it was and the mist was coming out. We were like, get out, put on the black robes and we're going to film something. And we didn't necessarily know exactly what we were filming, but we knew that nature was supplying us with some ass kicking acting. And all we had to do was just get in there and act with her. Yeah. So, yeah. What do you say, Z? Yeah. It was just cool traveling to all these monumental places. Cause it really added to like the sacredness of the visions that Izzy was experiencing through the books. Cause like these were places that she never would have experienced on her mountaintop, you know, in isolation. So it was really fun uh, doing that. But also we went a lot to the Pacific Northwest because when we were traveling, first of all, that's where Lulu was. And Lulu was acting as Amber in the film. And, you know, we really wanted to have her fun and bubbliness in, in the film. And so we went out there to go meet up with her. But we actually were social distancing uh, when we were filming with her in uh, Oregon. That was mostly in Manzanita, Oregon and Port Townsend, Washington. Uh, and the great thing about those towns on the coast were that they had these beautiful green forests that kind of matched to the forests in the Catskills. And they were just incredible to shoot in. We'd go out and bike a lot and find these beautiful hidden spots that we just had to film. I, cause I, when I read that you were from the Catskills, I was like, oh, it must've been filmed in the Catskills. But then I, I read that you guys were on that road trip and I, I love Oregon. It's like one of my all time favorite places. I, you know, couldn't say enough about it, but you're right. The, like the forests there are just so green and that made that like clicked right away. And you're right. I, I guess it could kind of be in both, uh, in both environments there. So that was beautiful scenery. Thank you. Thank Speaking of beautiful, the cinematography itself and the camera angles and the camera shots were really well done. Yeah. Like, I, I was kind of surprised when you guys were like, oh, we don't have training. We don't know what we're doing. But <laughs> the cinematography looks amazing. And your camera angles were great. Like, it, it looks beautiful, like, throughout the whole film. And I was really curious, is that, like, one person or was that everybody's vision combined to make that cinematography happen? Uh, well, thank you so much. First of all, I mean, I do think most of it is like a combined vision, but um, from coming from the deeper you dig, it was, it was pretty like static because we only had a tripod and our camera. And one of the things I love most growing up on movies is like movement in, uh, in movies. So, we got a lot of new technology. We got a steady cam, like a Ronin. Uh, we got a drone, which uh, I was really excited about. And we also got a micro lens. So we kind of brought that into Hellbender, which I was really excited about. I learned how to control the drone, and that was our first time using it. And people seemed to have really liked it. And uh, we learned a lot 
Uh, what do you guys think, John and Toby? I think thanks for that compliment because it means a lot to us because it's one of the aspects of filmmaking that that we just really love is trying to paint really beautiful pictures. I think it's a combination of being in beautiful places and kind of keeping your heart and your mind open that when nature says, I'm ready, your camera better be ready too. And if so a lot of it is just that we're in some pretty spectacular spots. But it does mean a lot to us that you're enjoying it because we try hard to 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 paint pictures with the camera. And it really is these guys are being humble <clears throat> being humble, but John and Zelda share the director of photography um role. You know, they both kind of do that. We all know how to use the camera, but they're really great artists. Thanks, Toby. You're welcome. <laughs> Teamwork right there. Keeping the positive. Yeah. You know? yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, what's the secret of marriage, you two, huh? <laughs> He's I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. I tell you, but don't get us started. Otherwise, it's, you know, it's going to be a pay per view and Zelda's going to have to check Zelda's out. Zelda's in the city. We're not there, so. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Z. No, just out. <laughs> you, you know what's funny? Uh, I've been married 13 years, and sometimes it's like a roller coaster. You know, sometimes it's really awesome, and sometimes really not. It sounds uh, like life. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, uh, I I think it's cool that you guys are like working together and stuff. I don't think I could ever work with my wife. Uh, I can barely live with her, and I love her to death. So, you're, not, you're not planning on having Miranda listen to this, are you? I am very honest with my wife. Like, <laughs> we want to move, and we are going to get separate bedrooms and separate bathrooms, his and hers, and we're going to live happily ever after in our separate bedrooms. Sure, sure. It's, it's funny, like, like we used to live in Los Angeles and, and sometimes we'd take a drive in Malibu because that's really beautiful. And we'd always see the really huge, huge houses. And we'd always be like, that's probably not the happiest marriage <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. it's like they have the these monster houses. Like we, Toby and I better have a good marriage because we live in a little house that we built. <laughs> And yeah, yeah. it's it's great. Yeah. Yeah, we live in a little house too, but <laughs> <laughs> that's why we want well, separate. I, I think you missed the point. Like John built yeah. it, right? <laughs> yeah. He built the house. Exactly. Yeah. We did build the house. That's amazing. Oh. Toby designed it and I built it. So there you go. wow. That's really yeah. awesome. You guys you guys are something else, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it does. If if talking about movies, though, I think Toby and I and Zelda and Lulu, we all kind of after this is our seventh movie that we've completed. Now we're working on our eighth, which is called uh, When the Devil Roams. And like this eighth one is even easier. They're only getting easier because we do understand how vital each of us is to this little combat unit that we have. You know, I mean, it really is a tiny little combat unit. Everybody's got to have each other's back. We know what each person's good at. And and, and now it's it's pr a pretty well-oiled machine. It's and we're not nobody's vying for each other's jobs here. Do you know what I mean? Like we know when it comes to making sure that uh, the story circle is 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 full and complete. Toby's our girl. 
Do you know what I mean? And we know that like when it comes to finding the proper camera angles that me and Z have a lot of conversations about it, about how we're going to capture this. When, when it comes to flying a, a drone, it's only Z, you know, and it's like, just do it, kid. You know, um, I think that's that's something fun about, well, being a family making movies, but also it, it wouldn't matter whether it was like a blood family, even just a, a team of filmmakers that work together for a long amount of time. You just take steps for each other at, at some point. Yeah. yeah. I, and I just really admire the fact that you guys are like, oh, uh, let's make a movie and you just go out and do it. Or, hey, we're going to start a band and then you just do it. <laughs> hey, I'm going to build a house and then you do it. <laughs> Thank you. That's awesome. Um, please tell me that some point down the road, we are going to see a version of the original version that you had in mind for Devil's Toenail. <laughs> <laughs> Will like, that happen uh, when when the timing is right, the budget's right? Will we see that version? It's kind of interesting, you know, because our newest film is called When the Devil Roams. And there's definitely going to be a little bit of cutting of toenails. <laughs> or maybe we miss the toe and go a little deeper. Yeah. <laughs> and then a foot. So, oh, yeah, we're definitely, we're definitely cutting up the devil and we've moved beyond the toenails. That's a really great point, Toby. Yeah. We're now well, cutting the devil at the elbow. So now we could be like, you know, the devil's elbow. I think, you know, hey, this is a franchise. You should, <laughs> you should watch one of our first horror movie, though, called The Hatred, because there's actually a scene where John's character, who basically is the devil, eats his nail. Do you remember that, John? Oh, yeah. So there seems to be a lot of connections here. We sure. seem to love nails and the devil, so... Sure. Well, the so, devil does eat himself. I mean, that's the whole point. Like, that's if if you think of drugs as being the you know drugs, drug you know, there's so many aspects of the devil that consume itself. So it is pretty cool. So that original um, like script that you had when you started to film, but then it kind of had to uh, strip it down. Do you think that that time has kind of passed and you're you've hellbender is kind of the vision you you have now and you're okay with that or do you think that will kind of resurface at some point and you'll want to kind of take that endeavor back on i thought of trying to write a book about it because i like writing i thought oh maybe um with the with the book it's something i've thought about for like a young adult novel yeah it's, Which means you'll do it because you said it out loud and you'll right. well, you guys do. You just do things. So so we'll be on the lookout for your book. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Well, here's a good question to throw back at you guys. Uh, because this is something this is like a this is like a conversation that we'd be having in our car going to soccer practice, exactly this. Which is what's your favorite movie about the devil? What's you, what do you guys say? Oh geez. Oh man. Yeah. It's a tough one. Asylum of the Damned. Oh, I'll have to look at that. Now, why is it your favorite movie, though? Like, tell me why they capture the devil so well. Uh, honestly, it was a, it was not so much the devil; it was more the uh, the demon. But okay. it, it was just it took place in the bottom of a senior center, and it was just a really like, you know, the de the devil's just coming out and sucking the souls out of the senior citizens, and it was just a really well done i mean it was a five dollar budget but i don't know why but the atmosphere was really cool it looked really good the acting 
it was really good and just everything about it just resonated. And the story was like, I had never seen a story like that. So I was like, wow, that's really good. Like, that's a really interesting story. Uh, so that's just, I just gravitate towards that. And that, that is my go-to, but no one's ever heard of it. Once again, it's a $5 basement buy, you know, that's great. I have to watch it. I mean, you know, well, how about you other guys? What do you I, think? I think What's just the one that, oh, go ahead, Brandon. You can go. All right. I was going to say the one that like, I'm just, I'm kind of having a brain fart, but like the one that comes to mind for me, like the witch, I just, I love, you know, oh, yeah. um, I love everything about that film uh, first off, but just like, you know, like uh, just the way it, it's kind of like speaking to you and how it manifests. I just, I just really love, love that film. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. For me growing up, you know, watching the omen just, yes. you know, yeah. just being yeah. young and then seeing Damien and just everything controlling and then just, okay, that's the devil's baby. It was just like, all right, like, what's going on? And it was just like really creepy. And it just always made you think like, okay, what's next? You know, so that was definitely one of the main movies that always stuck out to me. I'm so with you. And see, for me, the, the, the Omen is, for me, the best devil movie because mm -hmm. they tackle this really interesting, because Damien is going to, come to rule the world and and if yeah. you like if like if you think about books like revelations and stuff that like to dabble in the devil like it's very close to the omen you yep. know and and so i'm with you on that like and that's a that's a tough production yeah you know like that's why we knew like when we really started thinking like okay let's think about the movies that do the devil well the omen is top of the list for us and it's like holy shit like, that's a tough one. That's very hard to do, production ones. But it's a fascinating subject because, because of Revelations and like the and the Book of John and stuff like that that talk about the devil. It's 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 something that would be fun to try to tackle. But it's fun. It's cool too because in the Omen and also in like Rosemary's Baby, I think you don't see the devil. But it's very much a presence yeah. that you're aware of and frightened of, mm -hmm. you know, which I think is really cool. Mm -hmm. yeah. That was a really scary book. Which one? Rosemary's Baby. Oh, I'll bet. Oh, I never read the book. I thought the book was better than the movie. It was really like actually creepy to read. So. Ah, that's cool. good advice. That sounds cool. Yeah, I I'm a big reader. I you know, if you write your book, I, chances are I'll buy it. I'm, so <laughs> I'm sitting in my library right now. So, well, our uh, book yeah. will be at the $5 bottom basement bin. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so speaking of the devil, your, your next film is about the devil. Like how much can you really tell us about your next movie or yeah. is it like under wraps? No, we can give you the quick synopsis. It's called when the devil roams and it takes place in the 1930s about a family, a peculiar artistic serial killing family on the dying carnival circuit. And something really bad happens to the parents and the daughter is left to pick up the pieces. And it's kind of a cross between Frankenstein and Bonnie and Clyde. Sounds awesome. <laughs> Thank you. When can and we expect this? 
So we're about, oh, go ahead, Z. No, yeah, I think we're like 70% done with it. And we need to end filming by around April because that's like when the leaves start budding. So, because this is like a fall, winter uh, movie. So I would say within a year, definitely. You guys are going to be pretty busy, like publicity wise, uh, with Hellbender then leading up to this film. Well, we hope so. I mean, we hope so. Um, you know, whenever you're doing art, you always are in love with it, um, but you're not very uh, objective. You're very subjective. And and so this feels, the Devil Roams, when the Devil Roams feels like we're just trying to keep up with it, it really feels like a movie that wants to be made. It's It's been quite easy. Um, uh, so we hope that it's as, as fun to audience members and to people out there as it seems to be to us. It's been incredibly cool. We have access to, you know, the Catskills, number one, are a kind of beat up, wonderfully beautiful place, but they lend itself to the 30s because a lot hasn't changed since a long time up here. And I grew up here in these houses that are old, like uh, they're old hotels and they're filled with kind of beat up old antiques, not fancy antiques. My dad has an old 31 Chevy. So we have all these beautiful old beat up things that are at our disposal. And I've been looking at them my whole life. And so has Zelda. And so they're, they're just there to be used. They've been asking to be used all this time and now they're out there being used. And so it has a real nasty, gritty feel. Again, I say, you know, for that nasty, gritty feel, we're, we're, we're chasing the golden glove. <laughs> Don't watch it. I didn't recommend it. <laughs> I'm watching it. <laughs> happening. All right. So that's awesome. You know, we was able to take this time and kind of get to know you guys and just kind of go every, go through everything you guys been through, all the projects you've been working on. And before I go, I just want to say, Zelda, congratulations on following your father's footsteps and becoming a model. Oh, what was it like working for Gucci, you know, straight off, off your modeling career, you know? It, it was actually insane. It was incredible. And thank you so much. I, I... I honestly couldn't believe it. Like when I was in LA, I was, I was, I wasn't believing it until it was happening. And then it happened. And I was like, wait, that didn't, that, that did that happen? I wasn't sure. Uh, and it's so cool just hearing John's stories about being a model. And I really hope I can have some fun stories like his, because it really seems that he had a fun time doing it. So yeah, well, thank you so much though. That's so nice. It was hilarious when she sent the pictures from LA and she's standing next to Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> and it was just like, Z, do you know who that is? And she's like, I think so. No, I was, we were in like rehearsal and there was this dude like five spots behind me. And I look back, I'm like, man, do I recognize this dude? And then I'm like, oh my God. He was, yeah, he was just like ripping his jewel in the line. And I was like, oh, my God, that's that's him. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's wild. That is wild. Um, so you guys have been absolutely amazing. And I just want to thank you guys so much for taking this time with us and, you know, just spending this evening with us to talk about your films and all your projects and, and everything. This has been really enjoyable for us. Thank you. Yeah. And, thank and, you guys. And, and if we... um. 
if we uh, get to Providence or if Zelda gets into RISD, uh, maybe we can take you guys out. Yeah, or if you guys come down here, we'll cut your guys' arms off. So. <laughs> uh, definitely. <laughs> Please. Uh, we'll, we'll just wait. We'll wait for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so everybody, uh, Hellbender, well, actually, can you guys, I want you guys to be able to tell, can you guys tell everybody when Hellbender's coming out and where they're going to be able to find it? Yeah, Hellbender's coming out on Shudder on February 24th. And our album's coming out in June, and it's on Ship to Shore, and it's going to be uh, 23 songs, uh, every song from the movie, and then some extras that hit the floor. Okay. And your book is coming out in January of 2023? Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> Very we'll look out for it. <laughs> All I've right. got it on pre-order. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everyone. So thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy Hellbender and everyone have a good night. Thanks for inviting us, you guys. It was a real pleasure. Thanks, Brandon, Joshua, and Dave. Where are all the stations here? Why are they all out? There are no stations in this town. You can't hear anything. Game over.